Psalm 119. I want to read verse 41 through verse 48 in this psalm. I thought about reading the whole psalm, but then I figured that, you know, we got, we got Sunday school after this. He says, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not thy, the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. That verse, verse 45, is a great text and offers us a lot of guidance and help this morning. I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And I want to say to you today, there is a path to freedom. There's a path to freedom, and there's also a pathway of freedom in a believer's life. In other words, God's message to every person here today is this, you can live free. It's more than a national freedom. It's more than a political freedom. It's more than a religious freedom. There is a freedom from sin and death, and there is a freedom to serve and to live in and live with God. John chapter 8. I want to read from these words of Jesus here. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see the connection there. As in the text of Psalm 119, and in these verses right here, Jesus is saying, just like the psalmist, that true freedom and true liberty is connected to our life in the Word of God. That's it. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You see, the problem with them, these religious leaders, was that they were identifying their value and their righteousness and their freedom all on their national identity. And their national identity was certainly a pretty important one. They were Israel. And so you could imagine how offended they would be that someone would imply that they would not be true and free. But that's exactly what Jesus was telling them. You see, they had nationality and they had uh, tradition and they had heritage, but they did not have truth. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin, look at this, is the servant of sin. He's trying to show them, no, you are in bondage still. You are a slave to sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed, indefinitely, without question, world without end, amen. There is a real freedom. Now, what is the key to this freedom? 
Again, it's the same as what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 there. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom is connected to the word of God. Now, there's likely someone here today who is still in the grip of sin. There's likely someone sitting in this building today. You are lost. You are alienated from the, the true life of God. You are walking in darkness, and you are in bondage of soul. But you need to hear this morning that there is a path to freedom. It is through Jesus Christ. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There are also very likely believers here this morning, followers of Jesus, who are struggling with some sin in their life. You're feeling the burden of defeat because you're under the weight of some distress of your mind, your emotions, and you're failing perhaps in, in your battle with some addiction, some habit in your life. And we can call these things weights and sins because that's what the Scriptures call them in Hebrews 12.1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. There's some people here today, you're, you are uh, followers of Jesus, you love the Lord, you want to live right, but you're struggling with this. It might be some emotional distress, it might be some regrets in your life, it might be some a relational problem, it might be some addiction in your life, and you're struggling and you, you feel like you fail in it. You want to lay it aside, you want to be free of the weight, you want to be free of the sin that's besetting in your life, and there is a path to freedom. And there is a pathway of freedom. Freedom, of course, is the word on a day like this. The meaning behind our national holiday, as we talked about. The colonists of 1776, for them, they said it was time to be free. Free from what they called a long train of abuses and usurpations, absolute despotism, and absolute tyranny. Words from the Declaration itself. Now, i got to tell you, when I read that, I think that's a fitting description of what sin does to the soul. That's what being under the bondage of sin, and that's what Satan, he's a tyrant, he's a despot, he's out to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's the work of Satan himself, the father of lies, the deceiver, the adversary, the accuser. And to every person still under the dominion of sin and to every believer who finds themselves failing in a besetting sin, there is this constant oppression of the soul and there is a deep sense of failure and a feeling like you are in bondage. And if you're familiar with it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I thought about the significance of the July 4th holiday. And it is a solid illustration of the truth found in the words of the psalmist and in the words of Jesus. Because you see, the freedom which our nation won, as I alluded to earlier, it began, I would say, first of all, with a decision. And i got to tell you this morning that there is not a person who will get off this planet without making a decision about Jesus Christ. And it will not be a decision about the historic Jesus or the Sunday school Jesus or the Jesus of your imagination, it'll be the Jesus that sits upon the right hand of the Father right now, the one who is above all, the one who sustains it all uh, by His power right now. It is with Him that you will have to do when you step into eternity. And you must make a decision. You don't make a decision for church, and you don't make a decision for Christianity. You must make a decision for Christ. And everybody will make that decision. 
They made a decision. They said, you know what? It's time to stop living this way. It's time to stop being treated this way. I remember when I was 19 years old and going into my 20th year, I remember thinking, I am so tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm tired of this kind of lifestyle that I've got where there's deception and there's lies and, and there's bondage. And I remember thinking and feeling that way. And I made a decision that I didn't want that anymore. And I began to seek the Lord and begin to ask for God's help in my life. You see, that decision must be followed by that declaration. And I remember when I surrendered to the Lord, I made a declaration to everybody. I said, I belong to Him now. I'm His. You know what followed that declaration? A whole lot of fighting. You see, that decision and that declaration must be defended. And you know, to this day, I'm still in that fight. To this day, I must still defend the declaration I made that I want to live in freedom. Now, my freedom is secure in Christ. But we still have battles. We'll talk about that in a moment. The Bible is God's declaration of freedom. And here is the document that proclaims liberty to all the captives. And here is the proclamation of power uh, to live unbound by the dominance of sin in our life. He said, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. There is a path to freedom. The psalmist declares that he says, I'm going to walk in this freedom because I've devoted myself, Lord, to follow your commandments. I think if we say it very simply this morning, if you are here not living in true liberty, if you are here today not living in in true soul, liberty, and freedom, it is precisely because you have not devoted yourself to live according to God's Word. Now, there's no getting around that. That's as plain as, it, as you can say it, and it's the absolute truth. The things that bind you, the things that are holding you down, they are because you have chosen to live in some way and make some decisions other than what the Word of God teaches us. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word liberty that's used in Psalm 119 and verse 45. He says, I will walk at liberty. This word liberty is the Hebrew word that, that is used to speak of a roomy and spacious area. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to walk at liberty. I'm going to walk with a lot of room in my life. I've got a lot of freedom in my life. I've got a lot of space in my life. I'm not bound. I'm not constricted. You know, people think that, you know, if you just say, I'm a Bible believer. I try to live according to God's Word. That, they think that that means a very restrictive life, a very tight life. You know why they think that? Because a lot of bad Christianity has given that impression. A lot of bad teaching, a lot of bad traditions have given some impression that to follow Jesus is to be tight and hard and, and confiding and, and just strict. And that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what the psalm writer said. He said, I walk with a lot of room in my life. I have a lot of freedom in my life. Why? Because I obey God's Word. That's how you get freedom. It's the same word that's used earlier in the Old Testament to describe the promised land that God was going to take Israel into. It was used to describe Canaan in Exodus 3.8 when God said this. He said, I am come down to deliver my people out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good land and a large land, 
broad land, a very roomy and spacious land. And you know all the descriptions of Canaan? Canaan was plush and Canaan had plenty and Canaan was the place of freedom and Canaan was a place to establish themselves as the people of God, not a place without its battles. Not a place without its contests and conflicts and troubles. Hey, lay, as long as you're living in this life, you're going to have conflicts and troubles and strife and difficulties. But I'd a whole lot rather live in Canaan, in the will of God, and deal with troubles and strife than I would to live out in the wilderness of the world, out of the will of God, and have to deal with it. And I promise you, they'd have been far better off in Canaan than they ever were out wandering in the wilderness. So this is a promise of a lot of room. It's always been the design and desire of God to make His people free. Freedom is a wonderful word, isn't it? Freedom, freedom, freedom. People talk about that all over the world. People look for that. They want that. They desire that in some level, at least in the way they may understand it. And to some people that have never truly been free, it's a sweet, sweet word that perhaps we can't even appreciate, at least on a national level. To be free. Freedom means exemption from the power or control of another. Liberty, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement. That's a wonderful thing. But true freedom always requires submission to authority. Again, this is why we have this conflict of ideas that being a Bible-believing Christian means tight, strict, confiding, harsh, tough. And yet the Bible itself that we say we believe teaches us that when we obey God, we live with much room and space in our life. We have freedom. And I tell you, it's as simple as this. When you live within the law, you are protected to live fully and freely and pursue life. That's the idea. It's living outside the law that confines you. It's living outside the truth that restricts you. John Locke wrote about it many, many times. Years and years ago, he said the end of law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. For in all the states of created beings capable of laws, where there is no law, there is no freedom. For liberty is to be free from restraint and violence from others, which cannot be where there is no law. But freedom is not, as we are told, a liberty for every man to do what he desires. You see, what is the meaning of all that, preacher? It's simply put that someone must be in charge if there is to be order. The question is, who is in charge in your life? Who is in charge in your life? Who's making the decisions for you? Who are you consulting before you do this thing or go to this place? Who are you talking to about the direction of your life, the job that you're in, are still in. Should you be there? Should you go somewhere else? Should you change? The vacation that you want to take, did you pray about it? Did you ask Jesus? Or did you just decide, no, this just makes sense. Let's do it. No better time than right now. Let's go. And we live in a whole lot of bondage because we do not live under the rule and authority of God in our day-to-day -day life. You see, we are called into a life of submission and surrender. That is what frees us. 
In the time of the judges, we read it twice in the book of Judges, that in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And you see the result of that. The darkest pages of Bible history are the book of Judges. And at the beginning, toward the middle and the end, you see those twice, it talks about why it is, because there was no authority, there was no rule, and every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Freedom is not the right to do whatever you want to do. Freedom, as God designed it, is being liberated to do what is good, what is right, what is of service to others. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 1, and then in verse 13, he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So true liberty is not about me getting what I want to do, what I want, and doing what I want to do all the time. True liberty is about living in love and serving others. In order to live as we should, we need the rule of God's word in our lives. Now, this is the second part of that verse. He said, I will walk at liberty. He said, for I seek thy precepts. To seek. To seek. It means to tread or frequent. It's the well-worn path. It always comes to mind. Now, of course, if you are in the woods any amount of time, you know what game trails are. Those of you that hunt, you probably look for game trails. Never have got over you Bambi ambushers. See, I just invite trouble, don't I? But I knew you'd like to think that was funny, except you diehard hunters, you're scowling at me now. But you know what a game trail is. I remember growing up all the time, this was the one thing I always remember. I remember you could go to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and all the acres of pasture they had, you may not know, be able to see those cows at any certain time, but you had no trouble knowing where the cows went to all the time because the, the trails were worn. I mean, they always walk the same paths back and forth to the water, to the hay bale, to the shade tree, to wherever. The same trails. And that's the idea here. It is to seek, it is to frequent, and to tread for the purpose of following. I'm following someone. I'm in pursuit of someone. I'm seeking God's truth. I'm there. I'm treading it frequently. I'm always there. I'm, I'm abiding in it. I'm staying in it. It's my life. It's my necessary food. I spend more time in the Word of God than I do in anything else. I want to spend more time in God's Word than I do in the television. I want to read God's Word more than I read any other book. I want to see what God's up to far more than I want to see what all the politics and celebrities are up to. Right? Right? Now, if your life suddenly, magically, your frequently treaded paths got illuminated for all to see, where would we see you frequently treading to? Where do your days take you to? You'll never have full freedom until it is God's Word that you are seeking and treading after. To seek thy precepts. Your command for my life, God. I want to know what you want for me. I want your oversight in my life. I want your direction, your rule in my life. Let me say it this way. This is not a bad prayer to pray. Lord, 
I'm too weak and I'm too dumb to figure this out. I need your help. Lord, I'm not smart enough. I don't know everything that's going on. I'll mess it up. Lord, I just I, I give it to you and I ask you to guide me and help me to know the way that I'm to go. When it comes to your battle with that besetting sin, that struggle that you have in your life right now, that weight you cannot seem to shake off. You can try and try and try and try and try in your own power. And it will not work. But you bring it to God and you tread frequently. And you go back and you go back and you go back and you don't quit. Remember what Nathaniel Green said? We fight, we get beat, we rise up and we fight again. You know, you can't beat somebody that won't quit. You cannot win against somebody who won't stay down. And i got to tell you, child of God, that's who we are in Jesus. We're the ones that will never stay down. You know why? Because the Spirit of God that dwells in us, He lifts us back up. And the Father, His love is unchanging, and His mercy is unfailing, and we will not quit. So start acting like that. Believe it. Act like it. That's the way we live. Here's the summary of it all. My truest freedom comes from my total surrender to the rule of Jesus in my life. The truest freedom is to follow Jesus. A freedom not guaranteed by the laws of man, but a freedom that is guaranteed by the life of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. But... If this is true, if this is true, if I am now made free from the rule of sin over my life, why do I still sin? Why is this still happening? Why do I still find this constant presence of sin with me? Well, as Paul said in Romans 7, he said in verse 21 and 23, I find then a law that when I should, would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This is what I've said earlier. A couple of times already, the colonies declared themselves free in 1776, but it would take another seven years of warfare to win that freedom. Now, understand that we are free in Jesus because He has already won. Our battle is not to secure our eternal life. Our battle is in the daily struggle with the flesh. And though we are free, though we make our declaration that we belong to Jesus, we will believe and follow Christ into life. Still, we find ourselves in the trenches of spiritual battle every day. Right? Have you fallen asleep this morning? Am I preaching just to myself or are there other people in this place that know what I'm talking about? This is our life. You will have to fight. Never believe the lie that says, well, you know, Jesus, is, He's won the battle and He's defeated the devil and we don't have to worry about it anymore. We're just, we're just, we're just saved. Don't believe that lie. 
You're going to have to fight the devil and his influence every single day of your life. And if you're not fighting, friend, you are getting taken out. I've said it probably two straight services. I want to say it again. It isn't, if you're saved, if you belong to Jesus, this isn't about losing salvation. It's about losing effectiveness. It's about losing significance. It's about losing the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. And this matters. This matters greatly. You will have to fight. They that are Christ, Paul said, Galatians 5, 26, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Not only what must we declare our freedom, but we must defend our freedom. Now, I just want to simply tell you just a couple of quick things, and then we will close. How can we do this? I want to live in freedom. I want to be strong. I want to, I want to be able to fight well. I want to stand in my declaration, and I want to defend it. Let me tell you, the first thing you must do is position yourself well. Position yourself well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, even when we were dead in sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what you've got to stop doing. You've got to stop setting in this lower element. We position ourselves in the midst of the world and sin and wickedness all the time and then wonder why we have no strength for the battle. Wonder why we're overcome. Wonder why our thought life isn't what it should be. Wonder why our worship isn't what it should be. Wonder why church doesn't have the impact on us that it should have. It's because we have positioned ourselves in the world. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, he's positioned himself well. Be strong in the Lord. Know who you are and whose you are. Position yourself well and stop living like a servant and start living like a son and a daughter of God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places now. We should live like that. How do we live like that? That's a message for another time, but I preach it every week. <laughs> right? Number two, arm yourself well. You're going to fight, you're going to have to arm yourself well. You know these verses, but they must become more than just repetition and something we remember that's in, a, in the book. They must become our reality. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. What that means is you cannot win a spiritual battle through your fleshly, carnal, physical means. Your strength, your power, your ability is not enough. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now there are some strongholds in some lives in this room today. And they need to be brought down. And I say again, you can do your very best effort and try every trick in the book and every technique that's ever been offered. And if all you've got is what you've got, you've got nothing. Then you will continue to be bound and held by those strongholds. But, he says, casting down imaginations. 
And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, your battle always begins right here. It's the thoughts. It's in the thought life. If we don't get that thought life right, we're going to have a hard time getting everything else right. You'll find yourself plopped down in front of television. I, I was at the, a place this just a couple days ago, and I was sort of strapped in. If I describe it, it'll sound like a torture chamber. Oh, it was the blood center over in Greensboro. I could really play that up, couldn't I? But I, I couldn't go anywhere for two hours. And I was trying my best. I took a book with me. I thought I was going to be able to read this, start reading this new book. And uh, I got in there and found out you can't read books during this procedure. You have to stay perfectly still. So they have a TV screen for you to, to entertain yourself with, or I guess you can lay there and sleep. So I watch cartoons. But on the back wall, on the wall across the room from me, it was a channel that just played on a loop episode after episode after episode of a show called Friends. Which until Friday, I've never seen an episode in my life, but I recognize it because how can you not live in the 90s and not have heard of Friends, right? And there was a constant battle for two hours. I kept getting pulled to pay attention to that. I kept getting drawn to read the words on that screen, and it was not good. I'm just laying my heart out. I want you to understand that this is a reality. Nothing good in that show. Nothing. You say, well, I don't like that because that's one of my favorite shows. Well, you probably got some problems in your thought life. And to battle that, to finally come back and say, okay, Lord, I don't even understand why. This keeps drawing me. But God, deliver me from this. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to pay attention to it. I don't want to give it any thought. You see, that's taking every thought in the captivity and bringing it into the obedience of Christ. And it takes fighting. And I'll tell you what, the closer you get to the Lord, the more sensitive you will become to these things. So the fight doesn't actually get easier. Good news, it intensifies. You see, the casual Christian walks around day after day and doesn't seem to have a fight at all. I don't know what everybody's making a big deal about. You know, we ain't doing drugs. We ain't out at the bars. We ain't looking at dirty magazines. What's the big fuss about? Which reveals how distant you are from the holiness of God. The closer you get, the more intense the battle will become, and it'll always be here first. Okay, position yourself well. Arm yourself well through your prayer life, through Scripture, through worship. You arm yourself. You stay close. And then carry yourself well. Carry yourself well. I must close. But I want to say that there is a way to live and there is a way to choose what is right and avoid setting yourself up for failure. Remember, we have the power to live free. We are not bound to sin. Romans 6 tells us this. You can write the reference down, read it later. Romans 6, verse 6 through 14. We are delivered from the power of sin. Therefore, we're not to yield our members as instruments of righteousness. Again, I'm going to decide, I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to go into that place that will bring me into sin. I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to use my hands to carry this into my home that will invite darkness into my house. It's a constant battle. Carry yourself well. So I close with this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 21. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul said, look, there's a way to live. He says, brothers, if you're looking for an example, watch me. Watch what I'm doing. Now, Paul's already said just above that, he's just said, I haven't attained perfection. And I still am uh, dealing with a lot of stuff in my life, but I am pressing toward the mark. And he says, if you're looking for an example, I'll be an example for you. I'm going to live in such a way that you can, you can follow my example and look for others that are doing it and follow them. There's a way to carry yourself. For many walk, of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation, our conduct, our manner of living, our conversation, our conversation, our manner of life is in heaven. We are to live here and now as citizens of heaven. We're to carry ourselves well. He says, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That right there, that, that, that verse right there should, should dictate every aspect of the way we live. If we were to really say, you know what, I'm going to live like somebody that belongs to heaven who's looking for the Savior. And you know, you know how the brain works, like in just like these quick seconds, like thoughts are running through my head. Not about you, but about me. I got some areas in my life I need to change. I need to live like somebody that's a citizen of heaven and looking for Jesus to come at any moment. I'm always finding myself like, uh, how'd that happen again? Why did I do that again? Why did I say that again? Why did I act like that again? See how many times this week, right? This is a decision. Have you made a decision for Jesus? There's a declaration. It says, I am now going to choose to live free. I'm going to be a man or a woman who walks at liberty in the Word of God. And then there's a defense. You're going to have to get armed up and get ready. You're going to have to fight to maintain that.